I'll get going. He talked about the prayers of Jesus and that Jesus prayed and drew strength from prayer. He communed with his father. I love that he said, and I had to go back and listen to this twice, Case, because it was a lot for me. In the Bible, there's 650 recorded prayers. There's 450 answered prayers. I thought about the difference there. There's 200 that weren't answered. I don't know if you know this, but every single time you pray, there's some kind of answer. Every single time. But there's 25 recorded prayers of Jesus. He thanked God. He connected with God. He went to God for big decisions. He actually thanked God for you and me. We're going to look into that a little bit more today. He blessed God, and he asked for forgiveness for us, and he gave forgiveness to others and us. Prayer's a big deal. Why is prayer such a big deal? Anybody got a quick thought on that? You're talking to God. That's pretty much enough right there. Isn't it kind of, I mean, Case said, hey, how's your prayer life? And you could have heard a collective. <gasps> I mean, seriously, we equate goodness with prayer. We also equate that with being a bad thing. You ever had somebody that you've asked, hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, no, I'm fine. Anybody ever had that experience? Has anybody ever had somebody tell you, or maybe you've told somebody, it's, it's not that bad. You don't need to pray. I'm fine. Really? Is it bad that somebody would talk to God on your behalf? <laughs> We say no, but then some of you are like, oh, but then he'll make me go to the Ukraine. <laughs> or he'll make me forgive my dad. If you talk to God for me, then things are going to change. Hallelujah and amen. I hope so. So Jesus said a bunch of stuff. He also said, where your heart is, right? Or where your money is and where your treasure is and where your joy is is where your heart's going to be. When we slow down on that Sabbath, that vacation daily to talk with God and maybe throughout the day, we have a chance to actually say he's our treasure. He's our joy. He's our life. And he modeled a prayer for us in Matthew 6 that Case went over. But he also said, when you pray. Not if you pray, Hey, when you get around to it, when you pray. And he showed us a bunch of stuff in there. We talked about talking to God. And we're going to keep going with that off of Jesus. And we're going to learn how to pray to God about others. You ever heard the question, if your prayers got answered, would anybody's life besides your own be impacted? I mean, obviously, if you're praying for you, that'll impact the people that are around you. But oftentimes, we are just praying for us. Again, I love how Casey pointed this out. The Supreme Court said that you had to take prayer out of school. But as long as there's tests, especially math tests, there will always be prayer in school. <laughs> and as long as there's teachers, there's always going to be prayer in school. Lord, help me not to choke these people out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for example, you guys, I want to get to what's been 
called the high priestly prayer. It's pretty amazing. You can join me, if you will, first in John 16, 31 through 33, and then we'll get into John 17. But in this high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for others. Something super cool happens before he actually prays for others. He prays for us. He prays for others for sure. But, excuse me, before he does that, he actually prays for himself. And in so doing, he actually prays that he would be a blessing to be a blessing. He ends up praying for others even when he's praying for himself. I guess we're finding out something often if you're paying attention. It's not all about us. That's why we get together actually every week is to remind ourselves that it's not about us. It's about God. It's about his goodness. It's about his life in us, his truth. We get to be a part of that, but it isn't about us. You might remember me telling you a story about Francis Chan. He was a pastor of this huge church in the Simi Valley in California. And a lot happened, and he was like, gosh, I don't think this is how church is supposed to be. And he stopped leading in that way and started doing small house churches and all that. He's still internationally known. But while he was still a pastor of what people call a mega church, which is exactly what it sounds like, huge he had a woman say, Pastor, I just wasn't feeling the worship. He goes, good, we weren't worshiping you. Man, pastors be getting after it sometimes. Because God's getting after it all the time. I want to share something with you before we get into this high priestly prayer. I want to share with you that Jesus was talking to his disciples about the Father. And then he talked to the Father about the disciples. I've heard it said that you should talk to God about people before you talk to people about God, and I love that, and I think it's real. And Jesus modeled that, and Case talked about it, that he went away lots of times and prayed, and then big stuff happened. So connect with God and then connect with others. Jesus shows us to actually connect with both in prayer to begin with. John 16, 31. Jesus said a bunch of different things up to this point. This is shortly before he's going to be arrested, persecuted, prosecuted for nothing he did wrong, and then killed, and then rise from the dead, give his spirit, move on, wait for us, pour into us right here. Before all that, he's given his friends his disciples, some parting words. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? They're like, oh, all of a sudden, we get it now, right before you're about to leave. Behold, he says, check it out, the hour is coming, indeed it's already come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. And you're going to leave me alone, yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. Church, I'm going to get a little corny right now. You're like, too late. You see that shirt? Anyways, here we go. Here's what's up. I'm going to ask you to repeat this. Okay, this is what Jesus said, and I think it's really good. And I know that in my own life I need to hear this, and I'm pretty sure that all of you at some point are going to need to hear this. And so remember this. Let's repeat this. Yet I am not alone. For the Father is with me. One more time. Yet I'm not alone. alone. For the Father is with me. me. 
Amen. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation and phones that ring all the time. That was, uh, I added that, sorry. This is what it really says. This is what Jesus really said. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. That's trials, problems. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So he's telling the disciples about the Father. And now, in John 17, the high priest is going to talk to the Father about the disciples. That's his followers. That's his people. It was a then and later, now and later kind of prayer. One really quick thing you should know about the high priests that were different than Jesus is that they were sinners. And for them to actually go before the Father, the Holy of Holies in the temple, they would have to make a sacrifice for their sin and the sins of others before they'd even go to confess the sins. They'd have to make a sacrifice just to be able to be acceptable. Jesus is that sacrifice. And so he didn't actually need to make a sacrifice to go before the Father. He is the sacrifice for us to be able to go before the Father. It's really good news. So here he goes. We get to listen in on a prayer, super intimate. How do we know about this? Because John and the other disciples were there, and they wrote it down. It was so profound that it's been recorded for us thousands of years later. And many people sit right where you're at every Sunday morning somewhere else and go, is this real? I have to let you be the judge of that. But I'm telling you, nothing better has come across the line in 2,000 years than Jesus. And it won't. What he said goes. So check it out. When Jesus had spoken these words about the Father, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. That's prayer. How many of you look up to pray? Sweet. How many of you look down when you pray? How many of you do that while you're driving? Knock it off. (laughs) But seriously, oftentimes we're like this. But man, Jesus looks up. I love that. What a picture. So he looks up. Father, the hour has come. This is it. This is when I die. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Before he even prays for others, he prays for himself. And what's his prayer for himself? I want a pony and I want this. No. Glorify me that I can glorify you. By the way, total bonus for you. Some of you need something extra than what I can spout out. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But if you're looking for something, look for the words give, given, have given, and glory or glorified. They're all over this prayer. All over it. So glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh. How much of the flesh? That include yours? Yeah, but God made me this way. I'm an angry person. God made me this way. I'm a person that has no self-control. God made me this way. I don't know who I am. God did not make you that way. He's got authority over all flesh. Trust him. Okay, 
I'm back. Since you've given authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In the fall, we're going to be looking at heaven and hell. There is eternal life for every human being who's ever lived. It'll either be separated from God or with God. Who does Jesus, or what does Jesus say eternal life is in this prayer, right in the very beginning? To know God, to know him. Prayer is relational. Right off the bat, you're connecting. If you're just praying about things that bug you, you're not thanking him, you're not praying about all things, you're not as connected, and that's okay. There's room to grow. But he says this is what eternal life is, to be connected, to be in relationship. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Daddy, I'm coming home. You guys, often when we pray, and we pray about ourselves, we may try to work it out where we're like, hey, God, um, here's what's up. If you bless me, I'll bless you. If you bless me, I'll be a blessing to others. And do know this, friends, God's so about that. Would you let the blesser be the one who defines what blessing really is? Would you let him define what it means for him to increase and you to decrease? And he's told us all through this and in life, man, we have highs and lows, good and bad. We have some ugly things, some messy things, some beautiful things. I asked this young man who I hadn't seen in a while last night. I was like, hey, so what's God doing in your life? How's he been speaking to you? He goes, well, nothing really big. I don't know, it's just kind of like daily I'm connecting with him. I said, man, that's a big deal. That's what life's more about is the everyday. Not, I mean, we have a ton of highs in the course of 70, 80, 90 years, but really the biggest things that happen in our life isn't the only way God speaks to us. Do you feel that? Do you feel it's like a breeze in plain Washington? While you're looking out at these beautiful trees, this mountain that's still got trees on it, it's 75 degrees, and this breeze just flows by in the word, and just like, oh, this is a fresh gift from God. And it's really not that big a deal if you're looking for something else. Something about how Jesus prays for himself led me to really kind of dig deep into Matthew 5, which we're going to do a whole lot more of near the end of the year. But in Matthew 5, 16, he talks about this being blessed to be a blessing. And so here you go. In the same way, let your light shine before men or others 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. The good stuff that God gives you to do is not just for you. It's not just for you to make money on. It's just not for people to like you or to think you're amazing or to listen to your podcast and tell everybody, oh, that's so wonderful. You should listen to that. It's actually to bring glory to God. And so let me bring this point home yet one more time. Even when Jesus prayed for himself, it ended up honoring God and blessing others. He wasn't just praying, gimme, gimme, gimme. He was like, I want glory to give you glory. I want people to be connected to you in relationship forever. So back to John 17 in this prayer. We'll go 6 through 19. I've manifested or shown your name, more on your name in a bit, although Zach stole my thunder, and that's okay. He went first. I've manifested or shown your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. I don't know if you guys get this, but we talk about receiving Jesus, and Jesus came first, and we talked about that a couple of times ago for the men's, like, third Thursday, this idea that Jesus came, and he gave himself to us. Do you know that we, his people, are a gift back to Jesus? You're not just some person who needed to be saved. You're a blessing to Jesus. You're a gift. You being transformed by his love, by his grace, is a gift. The Father has given you, if you're his, to Jesus. Let that just kind of sit around. You're a gift to Jesus. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. You guys, this is what a Christian looks like. Somebody who receives the truth, is excited about it, believes it, accepts it, and then shares it. Jesus is thanking God for you and me that believe, because he came for that. He's like, well, good. You did glorify me, and I glorified you, and they're going to glorify both of us. Listen, in case you thought, well, it doesn't really sound like a prayer. He literally says in verse 9, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. This I don't have a lot of time to unpack. But I have a question for you in the questions and Tuesday nights, they go over this. Maybe you can go over this today or sometime this week. What does it mean in verse 9 that Jesus isn't praying for the world? I thought he so loved the world that he gave himself for the world. Hey, some people don't want Jesus and never will. I don't know who those people are and I don't ever want to write them off. Because I just don't know who it is. But Jesus does. There are people that will not spend forever with Jesus. And that's tragic. And he knows who they are. 
He's saying, I'm praying for my people. If you are hearing that right now and like, I want to be his people, then believe. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Repent of trying to be the king or queen of your show. And believe that he alone is life. And you will be saved. And then you'll live it out and Jesus is praying for you. All mine are yours, he says, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. We're unified. We're together. We are starting to look like Jesus. Glorify them. Glorify me. Let's be one. We already are. Let all of us be one with him. (laughs) Okay, Aaron, sweet. Sounds good. Why are you getting all jacked up about it? I have three daughters that are teachers. One of them teaches in a classical Christian school where they wear uniforms. And before you go, oh, poor kids. They're trying to help these kids be united. They all look super different except their outfits. There's something that they have in common, though, that goes way beyond their outfits. It's that they are learning how to know and follow Jesus. And that would be the outfit were clothed, clothed, clothed in a robe of righteousness. Jesus's. Are these little kids all saved? I don't think so. I hope so. That uniform doesn't make them all saved. It shows that they have been given an opportunity to learn that it's not just about them and their dope kicks or their amazing outfit. They just look kind of similar with the outfit. They have different hair, Different skin tone, different height, different weight. They're different, and yet they're unified. And they even have a code of conduct that unifies them. Jesus is saying, look, I want them to be one as we're one. The uniform is Jesus' righteousness, and he's given it to us. Are you clothed in it? Will you receive that? Will you walk in that? While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The Bible doesn't lie. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves we just talked about joy for a while this is his joy that we would be in him now there was one that was picked that wasn't gonna be on the team his name judas he chose over and over again i am not here i'm part of the team but i'm not actually part of the team some of us were like what does that mean wish i had more time 
I can summarize it by this. There are people that pretend. There are people that think that because of their actions or because of their abilities or because of their gifts, which were given to them by God, that they are part of the team. They're the big deal. The team is the body of Christ. I don't know if you got that part, so let me just bring Christ front and center. The body, the bride, we're a gift. We're not the gift giver. Only Jesus is. And there are people that think that they're a part of the team because they grew up in it. They prayed a prayer. And I just asked you to think about that prayer and to pray that. I'm not trying to talk you out of that. I'm trying to say it's got to be genuine. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be truth. It's not you that saves you. It's Jesus. And that's good news. But for some people, are like, no, no, I want to know what I can do. Believe God. Trust him. But some people sit every Sunday, listen to podcasts, read the word, and they've just tasted, but they haven't taken in Jesus. They haven't received his righteousness, his glory. They haven't made it about him. They've made it about them. And they can sit in church with a Bible in hand and be separated from God. I don't want that for anybody. I don't know who that is. Only God knows. And I will ask you to consider that even right now as we start to wrap this up. I've given them your word. Listen to verse 14 very closely. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one or from evil, like Matthew 6, 13, where he prayed in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil or the evil one. He's like, look, I'm not saying take them out of the world. They're here. In this world, whew, not great. There's a struggle all over the place. Struggle inside of us. But he's like, look, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm just asking that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Second time he said that. We're going to bring attention to that just really quick. God's amazing grace means that you can be in this world and not of it. We'll unpack that a little bit more with the rest of what Jesus says here, verses 17, 18, and 19. Sanctify them. That means set them apart in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This is the Great Commission being talked about before he even gives it. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I set myself apart for their sake. That they may also be sanctified in truth, set apart, made holy, different, beyond normal. Remember that? Remember I was talking about beyond normal? Oh, gosh. COVID did a number on us, man. And it did. And it does. We don't want to get back to normal. <laughs> what does that mean? Seriously, though, really quick. 
Anybody got a minute to talk about what does it mean to get back to normal? What does that mean in your life? I'm going to get back to normal. Routine. Routine. Thanks, Jeremy. What else? Freedom. What else? Put our focus on where it was at before COVID. What does it mean in your life if you want to get back to normal? Take COVID out of it. Kathy and I were on vacation, and one time we were on a cruise, and it was amazing, and I probably gained 10 pounds, and I loved every pound. <laughs> but we're, we're coming back, and we were in the airport, and she started singing this 90s song. Maybe it's 80s. Back to life, back to reality. And I'm like, I don't like that song right now anymore. <laughs> and some of you are like, yeah, you just ruined it by trying to sing it. But, but seriously, that's back to normal. I think oftentimes we want to go back to normal. We want to control something. Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. How easy is that, friends? To be in this world and not be of it? To not look just like it? Anybody got that down? You got it figured out. It's totally easy. We need you to write a book, do some seminars. Or we can just take Jesus at his word that he's prayed for us, that he's saying, they're not of the world any more than I am. Really? Money can't buy us happiness. We're willing to give it another shot. In the world, not of the world. That means to go beyond normal, to be different, to choose different, to pursue Christ because he already came after us. Let's finish this prayer. John seventeen twenty. I do not ask for these only, Remember, it was the now and later before. Now this is the later and our now. During this time Jesus is praying, it's the people that are to come. We are the people that are to come, and there's many more in his grace that are going to come. But I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Again, another shout out to the Great Commission, spreading the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that Jesus taught us. But I'm praying that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, that we would actually have those uniforms that look like Jesus. You know, that's what Christian means, right? Is Christ one? Little Christ? That we would look like him and the Father. the world would believe that Jesus came because we're transformed by his grace. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one, completely one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. How much do you think God loves his son? Not that much. He gave him up for our sins. 
Literally, I had a young lady tell me that. I know I shared that story with you once. How I, that's kind of like spiritual child abuse. He broke through the sky and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He loved him so much. And he loves his people because he's given them as like a wedding gift. In this room, we've had people get married. And I know this is old-fashioned, and we're in the year 2023, and women are not property. I do not believe that they are. But there's something beautiful about a family saying, we're committing to being part of another family. We're giving our children to one another. Ask a father or a mother or a loved one who gives this woman to be married to this man. I do. Her mother and I do. We do. I've only seen it a couple of times where we've asked both sides of the family who gives these people to be married. I love that. I'm going to try to push that in there a little bit more. But if you can think about it just for a second, off of what we've read over and over again in just these few verses, Jesus has been given us. Who gives this woman, who gives this bride, who gives this church to be married to Jesus? Who do you think says, I do? God. I do. I picked you. I chose you. I want you to be one. I want you to be part of this glory story. I want you. If you're hearing that today, then you're in, right? You want that. You believe that. I confess it. Yeah, I'm going to blow it. But he's robed me in his righteousness. Listen. Father, I desire, I want this so bad, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I want them to be here. I want them to see how awesome this is. How awesome I am. If you do that at a wedding, okay, I want you to see how awesome I am. That's a bad look. But not when it's God saying, I want you to see how awesome I am. Lord Jesus, give us a glimpse of how awesome you are now. Who else can Jesus glorify than the Father and himself and the Holy Spirit? The only way we get to be part of that glory is when we're glorifying him and we want the same thing that he wants. And that's to be set apart, to shine for his glory, to make it about him. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. There's something about getting to know Jesus more. Do you remember what eternal life is again, you guys? To know God. How long are we going to have to learn about God? Say it again. For eternity, you're never, ever, you and I are never going to know everything about God because he is so awesome. And yet we get all eternity to know him. And we started on the day that our eyes were opened 
and we saw that he's God and we're not. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Three things really quick off of this. Want them to be one with you and me. I want them to be one. I want them to be united. We don't have to agree on everything, but we do get to agree on the fact that Jesus is God. He's the Savior. Nobody else is. He died for us, rose from the dead, ascended and gave us his spirit, and we would be one and we would make him known. The next thing he prays is, I want them to be with me and you forever. And the final thing, he said, I may know to them your name. Very quickly, if you'll turn with me way back to Exodus, and we talked about this in the beginning of this year, 2023. This amazing name that God gave Moses to give to his people. Hey, they're going to ask me who sent me. Who should I tell them? Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am self-existing, present, tense, always is. He's in the middle of your pain. He's in the middle of your joy. He's in the middle of everything. He is the great I am. That's who sent me. That's who sent you and I into this world to be of it. Excuse me, to be in it, but not of it. This is such a great reminder And he says, I want you to make my name known. I love this. Verse 26, one more time. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. He's in us through his Holy Spirit, through the truth, through the way, through the life that's only Jesus So with that, you see it up on the screen. Continue to make it known. That's what we get to do as his people. How do you move towards Jesus today? How do you learn from this high priestly prayer? What do you learn from it? Lots of things that we've already talked about. But how about this, that we need to confess that he is the one and we're not. We need to repent. We need to turn directions away from ourselves, away from making it about us or about our pain or about our fear, about our agony, about our joys, about our comfort zones. And we turn to him. Some of you, that's the first time you're ever going to really do that today. Hallelujah. Welcome home. There's a party in heaven because you just repented. Many of you have already made that decision. You've already turned around. You need to commit again to being set apart. You need to be beyond normal. Don't be like the world. You can be of it, but be different. Man, there's something about that guy. And not just that he wears flip-flops with jeans. (laughs) He's like, never again will I sit in the front. All right. (laughs) I'm not saying his name, but he did have a birthday. Happy. It's not, that's not the difference that we're talking about, though, is that the clothing and all that. It's looking different than how this world looks. Longing for something different than what this world can provide. This is where some of you need to move towards Jesus. Some of us 
need to be beyond normal again. We need to quit looking just like the world. Abortion numbers, just about the same for those who proclaim Christ as the world numbers. Child abuse, just about the same. Pornography use, a little bit less, but still super high. Divorce, just about the same. Adultery, just about the same. We need to look different. We need to be beyond normal. Some of you, though, to move towards Jesus, you're already different in all that way. You need to make him known. You've been hanging back a little bit. That's the job of pastors and missionaries and little Agnes. We'll pray for her, and we should. You need to be like Agnes. You need to make him known. You need to not be ashamed, not be afraid. You are beyond normal, but when people ask you, you're like, well, no, no, no. No, no, you know. So make it known. Tell Jesus how awesome he is. And then tell others how awesome he is. Finally, one of the ways that we can all move towards Jesus is praying for others. When you pray, pray to God about other people. I'm going to do a live it out video later on today, but this is one application point for you. Set an alarm when you know you can have it go off every day and pray for people who don't know Jesus. Pray that their eyes and their ears and their hearts will be open to his good news, and you would be willing to share it with them any opportunity that God provides, because you're going to be praying, and your eyes are going to be open to more of those things. The Holy Spirit promises to do that. Make his name known continually. Jesus is going to do it. You get to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this prayer. I thank you for this opportunity to unpack it. I'm not even close to being able to unpack everything in it. God, I want to talk to you about other people, and I want to talk to other people about you. I lift up my family and friends that are far from you. I lift up my family and friends right here today that are close with you. I pray, Jesus, that we would be the kind of people that know that knowing you is worth it. Knowing you is the gift, the treasure. We'd be strengthened where we're weak. We'd be joyful where we've had despair and pain. We'd celebrate even in the boring times. And we'd be thankful for all kinds of things, little and big and in between. God, I love you and I praise you. And I offer up all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you guys, be strong and courageous and let it be contagious. Would you take time to pray? For the group that's not only traveling down to ocean shores, but what's going to happen there won't stay there, that Jesus would transform people and take that show on the road. Thanks. Shalom.